Hello, what do we have here? Welcome to the Rebel Command Podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Sclafani. We are broadcasting live from the fourth moon of Yavin. I have my guest today, Dennis Kaminsky, with me. I've never been on a different moon before. This is really cool. I mean, it's it's nice here. It's a jungle moon. The Masasi temples are here. Hell yeah, I got my fridge in the other room. Uh, today we're going to go over a couple of news stories. I'm going to give Je- uh, Dennis his Jedi survey, which will be something that every guest gets for the first time. Uh, since this is episode one, I figured we'd go into how like we'd introduce ourselves a little bit. <clears throat> I became a Star Wars fan, I think it was 95. I like tried to forensically go back and figure out because I don't even remember watching Star Wars before. It's just always been a part of my life. I never saw the, I don't remember seeing the I Am Your Father scene for the first time. It just, you know, it's always been a part of my life. So I think 95, my parents bought the box set the one last VHS. time. Yeah. And it was the last time they put the, like the original trilogy out before the the special editions and when they said one last time they were that was not a marketing gimmick they were being serious but then 95 also had the power of the force like a relaunch of the star wars toys because there was like a dark period of star wars from like uh 86 to 90 91 which makes sense it had already run its life since there was nothing coming out it was just it was dead the only thing coming out was like a role-playing game so, like, and I feel like I was born in the perfect time in the 90s because it was like Star Wars was coming back. It was big. 96, they had the Shadows of the Empire come out, which was really the first video game I really remember, like, getting into for the N64. And I played the crap out of that game. I love that game. And then, uh, have you ever played that one? No, a lot of those games predate me a little bit. Okay. Did you ever play the Pod Racer one? Uh, that's, Yeah. Okay. I actually still have that. I, I feel think. like everybody... Did they re-release that on the PS4? They did. I have that then. Yeah, every, I feel like everybody played that one. Yeah. But that was like the Shadows of the Empire, the toys were big, so that one like really got me. That was like the first new Star Wars story because it takes place in between Empire and Return of the Jedi. So you're figuring out like what Boba Fett's doing with Han Solo, what's Luke, it's like how is he dealing with Vader, you know, being his dad. It's just a really good story. It's still one of my favorite Star Wars book. I didn't read that till later, but that's... Still one of my favorite books. But then 97, when the sequel or uh, the original trilogy came out of the special editions, my dad took me to see that in the theater. And that, to me, I think really cemented, like, this is something that's huge. Because I was here with all these adults. They were dressed up. I still have a photo with a couple of ladies dressed up like Leia and Endor with the ponchos. Oh, that's cool. So, like, that, I've always, like, there was Empire Imperial Royal Guards. It was, like, a Vader. And it was just like, these people were going crazy for Star Wars. I'm like, this is a kid's movie, like, right? But then there's all these adults going up. So I feel like that's what really drew me into the, like, this is something big. And my dad's always been a Star Wars fan, but he'll just watch the movies. He won't do anything beyond that. He's a pretty casual fan. But then about when I was 10, it was right after about Phantom Menace came out, I started reading the books. I read the Han Solo trilogy by A.C. Crispin, which, uh, Tells of Han Solo's youth much better than the Solo movie does. But uh, that one really got me hooked, and I read, like, the Thrawn trilogy, who you're going to see pretty soon in The Mandalorian come up. He was already name-dropped, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, and that one really got me hooked. And then after I started reading the books and comics, that's when I really, like, got it, got into Star Wars. And I played a lot of board games and video games and Star Wars stuff. So that's really how I've gotten hooked. And the movies and the mythology has always just meant a lot to me. I have an anger issue. That's... <laughs> something that I have to struggle with in my life. And so I feel like the the message of the Jedi having to control that and trying to, you know, let that go is so, it resonates with me. And just the way that the Force works 
is kind of how I view life. Like I do feel like there is an energy field. There is a will of the universe and we are all a part of it. We're all one with it. When we die, we, be, we go back to it. Like I feel like many of the Jedi beliefs are things that I actually think are true. Yeah. Because they're based on yeah, they're pretty much in, Buddhist yeah. m- you know, mythology and stuff. So I feel like that's, as I've gotten older, I've always asked myself, like, why do you like this so much? And that's where I keep coming back to. It's like, it's the mythology and the, the spirituality, I think, of it that really hits me the most. But uh, so are you ready for your Jedi survey? Oh, I would absolutely love to. Let's, let's see some of your Star Wars. Uh, so your favorite movie. Uh, my favorite in the franchise is probably Empire Strikes Back. I know it's the most standard answer, but I think it's the most well-made film out of the entire franchise. And I think that if you watch one movie by itself, that one lands the best. I don't know if that makes sense entirely. I know I, New I Hope like seems like a, what most people would say. because Empire it, is every character at their best. Yeah. I feel like they're yeah. written the best, they're acting the best, they're, at, they're just the best story-wise. That's every character. I agree best. completely. And it has, you know, just some of the greatest scenes. I mean, I oh, Am Your yeah, Father, the Hoth battle. When I was a kid, I hated the Dagobah stuff because oh, this is boring. And now that's my when favorite I watch part it, in the it's, movie. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's some of my favorite stuff. Reminds me of like a Marshall is Mr. Miyagi. Is very when I watched Cobra Kai, and that's what I thought. Like, man, this is what the sequel trilogy should have been. Like, this is it was perfect. The spirituality and like the the the, the martial arts discipline. I feel like is part of the, the Jedi philosophy. Yeah, I agree. All right, so your favorite character. Ooh, that's tough. Uh, when I was a kid, just because he had the coolest lightsaber, it was Mace Windu. Okay. And I think even though going back and watching the films, he's definitely not my favorite character anymore. He's kind, he's of, kind of just in it. Yeah. Um, I still have a soft spot for him. He makes me the happiest when he shows up on screen. My seven-year-old brain lights up when that lightsaber lights up. Party's I, over. Yeah, it is. It's just so yeah. cool looking to me. It is. I have always loved the purple lights. In regards to like the character that I feel like now going back, I feel like was the best character. It's Han Solo to me. His arc in the first three films. It's the, yeah. it's the redemption story. It's beautiful it to watch. It's. I, he was my favorite when I was like, an, I've had different favorite characters throughout my life. When I was super young, like just getting into it, R2 was my favorite because he was like a pet. And then I got into Obi-Wan because like, oh man, I want this old guy to show yeah. up and take me away in this adventure. And then I got into Han when I was in middle school. Cause like, oh, I want to be cool. I want to be, you know, this ladies' man. And when I got more into high school, I got into Vader because like I'm pissed off. Yeah, yeah. I've been lied to. You know, I'm mad. And then I got more into Luke as I calmed down and like f- embraced the Jedi yeah. philosophy. So I, I think your favorite character definitely fluctuates. Oh, I agree completely. When I was a kid, I, I bounced through quite a few of them, and I will say, uh, I probably have the strongest emotional connection to R two D two. Because that made me tear up when he showed up on the Mandalorian. I squealed like a little girl. I was like, yeah. It's hard to. Exactly. I agree. I was excited throughout the entire scene, but when he showed up, it hit me on a level I wasn't really prepared for. So I think I probably unintentionally like I grew the strongest relationship yeah. with R two. R two should be the central figure almost in everything. I mean, there is a a quote from George Lucas that R two is telling the events of Star Wars to this group called the Wills a hundred years in the past in the future. Mm. So he's like telling us. That's why R two is always the hero. Yeah, exactly. Because he's like you know I'm, he's telling the story. So I've always loved that, and that's one of the things like they just put him into a corner in the most recent movies. It just yeah, it I really kind of cut out what the heart of it was. That like, R two same thing in Force be. Awakens. At the end of Force Awakens, when he shows up for the first time, I got yeah. a bolt of joy Me shooting too. through my body. I was excited to see where they uh, took him. I mean, you think of who the first characters you see are: C three PO and R two D two. Absolutely. Uh, your, do you have a favorite quote? that's a tough one. Probably not, if I'm being completely honest. I don't know if I have a favorite quote from Star Wars. 
Um, but I love the philosophies. Because uh, like I said, earlier we talked about it before we started shooting. Like, what's the first quote that comes to your mind? It's legitimately, it's sand. I yeah. hate sand. You know, it's core. Like, I don't like, yeah. like, that's the first thing that pops into my I don't know why. Maybe you've seen too many Star it's, Wars It's become memes. such a meme. Um, but with that being said, I think anything Yoda says in Empire. Yeah. Because when you go back and watch it, all that shit lands so well. Yoda is definitely the words to live by. Absolutely. I mean, if you follow what Yoda says on Dagobah, you will live a happy oh, life. Oh, you're going to be a very peaceful it, it, individual. Yeah, I mean, that's yep. the way to do it. And it's Balance. crazy to me yeah. that George Lucas put the way to live into a, a blockbuster movie like that. <laughs> and nobody really even like pays attention to it. They think it's for kids. Uh, so, you, so you're just going Yoda Dagobah quotes. Anything Yoda says. You want to know yeah. one of my favorite lines from Rebels? Yoda, I've, I say this one all the time, is a lifelong challenge it is not to bend fear into anger. And it was on a cartoon. It's like, God. All right. Uh, now into a little bit of a negative territory. Do you have a worse character? Somebody you just, oh, get off the screen. I have a couple. but one. I mean, ooh, that's tough. I think there's probably a few characters like that in each film. Um, what's, I don't know the character's name. What's that weird fucking rat face thing? Not rat face. He looks like a mouse or he's got a weird, scary, like Teletubby is he, face. Is he in uh, A New Hope? Yeah, he's in the originals, the and then they make sure to show him quite a few times in uh, Force Awakens. I don't know what that character's name is, but he scares the fucking shit out of the me. One of those at the bar, right? I'd have to pull. I don't know. I don't know if they're at the bar. He's one of the. Uh, he's with the. Resi- he's with the resistance. Like he's a. Face. He's a pilot, I believe. Oh. He's got a weird like Teletubby face. I don't so know how he might be in the newer ones. I don't know. He was. I believe he yeah. was as well. But that guy scares the shit out of me. Oh, you're talking about Nen Nub? Probably. He's in a Return of the Jedi. He's flying with Lando. He's got a <laughs> scary. <laughs> Yeah, I don't that fuck guy? with. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and check if You're I'm not being a fan of the Celestin, so. <laughs> I'm not as. That's the reason I was a little intimidated being on the episode. I'm a huge film fan, so I've always loved the Star Wars franchise. But when we were getting ready to talk, and I was digging into like my my memory bank on stuff, I was like, oh shit, I like I know surface level information, and that's about the extent of I it. I mean, that's all you really. But need he's like a know. fucking weird like monkey gerbil looking face. I think like it's talking about Nen Nub. Yeah, well, I don't like he goes that like, guy. Ho 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 ho. He freaks me out. Yeah, he was definitely in uh, Force Awakens. He was flying an X-Wing. Yeah, well, I saw him in the yeah. theater, and he made me squeal. Yeah. I don't know why, but that thing freaks me out. He, I mean, he, he, he is kind of scary, but I don't, I've always liked him. He's got a lot of character, and yeah. I feel like usually, I don't know if it's a thing from when I was a kid, but when I watched the movie back with my fiancé before Force Awakens came out, I was showing her the originals just to see what I was all excited about. And every time he showed up, I was like, ah! Thing still freaks me the fuck out. I don't like it. It's there's some, jarring. There's some definite like freaky designs. Oh, they have great monster designs. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're going Nen Nub. I, that's honestly surprising to me. Nen Nub. I mean, I if would... I'm going like an actual character. Yeah. I'm Anakin. I hated Anakin. Anakin in the prequels. You're gonna put Anakin over like <laughs> well, I mean, ass. Yeah, I guess I don't know because like I was a kid, so I didn't mind Jar Jar. Yeah. But even when I was a kid, I always thought I, I love Obi Wan. I don't I don't hate Jar Jar either. Jar Jar in the Clone Wars, especially, like, they actually wrote him pretty good. Yeah, he's a little goofy in uh, Phantom. He's a little yeah. unbearable. He's on screen too much. But yeah. I like Qui Gon Jinn. I liked Obi Wan. But even when I was a kid, I just for some reason I never fully. But then Revenge of the Sith, I See, thought he was, was an me. excellent when character. When I watched Attack of the Clones, I did hate Anakin. I was like, this kid's whiny. He just complains. He's just like, this is not how a Jedi should be. And then when I watched Revenge of the Sith, I don't. He was like, yeah, more the way you kind of thought. So they I'd, they paid him off a little bit yeah. better. He's he seems. You almost want him to be redeemed. So I don't know what's even more yeah. surprising, Anakin or Nen No. <laughs> so all right, we're gonna go to favorite scene. What's just like a scene that when you watch, you're just like, ooh, that's beautiful. 
either the cinematography there's a, is what's happening. There's a visual at the end of Return of the Jedi. Uh, a friend of mine pointed it out to me when I was younger, and I, I guess I never really captured how sad it was, but it's after uh, they, they defeat everything and they're celebrating. And it's Luke mourning his father alone while the entire city is celebrating his death. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just such a beautifully sad moment. And he's burning and it land- Yeah, it's so yeah. sick because he's the only person who cares. You know what I mean? Yeah. For him, it's not a funeral for Vader. It's a funeral for his father. So to me, like that, that ties up it beautifully, tells the entire story really well. Like it's a, it's a really sad descent into darkness because I think when people see people turn heel, so I've always viewed it as a wrestling fan, it's kind of cool and exciting, but it's a really sad path to go down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So his son burying him, that's almost like a, redempt, a redemptive scene. And I thought yeah. that it was really beautiful. I agree. I love it. Especially with the backdrop of everybody celebrating. Yeah. Like the. Did you know that uh, George Lucas and Mark Hamill just went out into the back of Skywalker Ranch one day and filmed that scene. Like that's no, I didn't. Know wasn't that. even in the script. He was like, "We we need this," so it was just the two of them went out and filmed it. I agree because then yeah. it makes it it pays More off the father son relationship exactly. Yeah. You can kind of see why he wanted to be with him so bad. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he just wanted a relationship with his father. He looked up to him. I mean, I know it's a little bit deeper than that, but that's kind of how I've always interpreted the original films. Is you know he grew up without his dad. Yeah, he definitely hero worships his dad in the first. Exactly, movie. Like, and he, he kind of be yep. a Jedi because of his father. And then as soon as he realizes, you know, hey, join me on the dark side, that's when he starts going shit. Maybe, maybe this is where I gotta go. This is my destiny in life. Yeah. So one of the things I like about Luke is everybody's always telling him you have to kill Vader, like he's already too far gone. He's the only one that says like, no, this is the right way. And I love that Luke always like stands by his. His convictions. This is why he's my favorite. Character. And I think that visual pays that off as as perfectly perfect. as it can. Yeah. Return of the Jedi is people shit on it, but it is such a perfect ending for the trilogy. Absolutely, I agree completely. Like it does have a little part in the middle with the Ewoks. It's a little slow, but other than that, that movie to me delivers. Do you think? And this is something I think that might be a generational gap. Do you think that the Ewoks are especially disappointing for people who grew up back then because they heard that it was going to be a planet of Wookies? Because uh, I didn't care. When I was a kid, no, I thought they yeah. were cute, and it didn't bother me in the least bit, but it it's felt like how the, the, story unfolded. the generation before me seemed like they were like really like they there, were lied well, to. There's that Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. Like When you're born after a certain time, you like the Ewoks. Yeah, when you, exactly. Yeah. I, that's probably true. I don't know. I, like, I, I've never minded the Ewoks. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I get that they're small, but they're like fighting in their home territory. I just I The agree. message of it more means more to me than the actual logistics of these small bears. Like the the thought of like a uh, native force defending its home from yeah. this mechanized yep. evil empire means more to yeah, me. They stumbled than, into the wrong planet. Yeah. All things considered, yeah, like, yeah. I think it's a very uh, Vietnam message like yep. type of thing. It's I was like I said, I've always loved the Ewoks. Uh, so your favorite scene, you're going to Luke. Yeah, I think that's the one that I always think All back right. on the most. That's a good one. That is a good one. I love the very end of Return of the Jedi when you see just the shot of all of them together. They're just all like, you know what I mean? Like they're all lined up. Yeah. And to me, like it's such a just happy, perfect ending. Like we did it. We defeated the Empire. Like The original series nails the ending. Like just the the celebratory Mm -hmm. nature of the last like five, ten minutes. And I think the prequels kind of try to do that as well. And I think that uh, Force Awakens felt like that a little bit as well. And I think that like you could kind of see they didn't capture happiness as well as it continues to move no. on. Those first three really get they that. They completely yeah. undid everything happy about Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So, I, I mean, know. how can you really exactly. be happy? Yeah. All right. So, if you were to hire to direct a Star Wars movie, you got total freedom, can write it, direct it, anything you want. What's it going to be about? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, it's hard to say because growing up, it was a Boba Fett thing. 
-hmm. And now that he's kind of being explored, it seems like it's cheap to dive into that. But I've always like when I heard Quentin Tarantino was potentially going to do like a Boba Fett R-rated Western type thing. Mm -hmm. I think I like the idea of really exploring that kind of a story. But it's hard to say because now the Mandalorian is doing that and it's doing it pretty well. Want more of a gritty spaghetti? I'd love to see a a gritty spaghetti Western in the Star Wars universe. I think that would be really cool to see a Red Dead Redemption type. Yeah, exactly. Or I'd love to see like an Old Republic thing. I'd love to see a Star Wars in the universe where I, because I, I'm, I'm a big martial arts fan, and that's kind of why I've always liked the Jedi's, as they seem like they were like the fighters and the warriors. And I mean, obviously, as I grew older, I learned that they were also um, the, I mean, they're important generationally. They retain the information about how to find balance in life and all of that other kind of stuff. But I just, I want to see sword fighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and I, the Star Wars books have always done a good job of like lightsaber combat and the different forms that they mm. take. And I've always liked like the discipline of the Jedi. Yeah, I always like I like the animation, uh, the Avatar cartoon yeah. because I think it does a really good job of yep. giving each culture its own fighting style. So I've always liked the idea of them exploring something like that in Star Wars as well. With the yeah, I, when I watched Avatar, I thought, man, this is a lot like Star Wars. A lot. Yeah. Dave Filoni, who did that show, did went on to go do Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, yeah he's still working now too. Yeah, ain't he's, he? now he's yeah. doing Mandalorian yep. too. Yeah, of course. Uh, so your first memory of Star Wars, how do you remember like getting into it? Uh, the first memory that I have of Star Wars, it's hard to say because I was actually thinking about that a little bit earlier before you came by because I figured something like this would come up. And uh, I remember when I was a kid dressing up as uh, Darth Maul for Halloween. But I don't remember really falling in love with Star Wars until it was it was after Phantom Menace. It was probably right before Attack of the Clones came out, which is 2002, correct? So, yes. Um, I was living at home with my uh, my mom and my uncle, and my uncle was a huge nerd. So he was kind of the one that introduced me to a lot of the uh, like the older stuff. And uh, he was like the first person that ever showed me Star Wars, or uh, he showed me the Lord of the Rings when those came out. The and good stuff. Yeah, exactly. He was he was he was on his nerd shit then. He was you know one of the people that I met that was like big into Alien and Predator and you know, all that shit. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he comes to me and he shows me all the old Star Wars movies, and he starts teaching me about just some of the background shit, and you know what I mean? Like, he was just, honestly, he probably was just happy to have a little kid there to share it with him. But watching those movies with him made me really fall in love with the, the franchise, and he just actually passed away within a year ago. So mm. I was thinking about that a little bit earlier before you came here and, and how nice of a moment that was. Yeah, he took me to go see uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith uh, like two or three times each. So I think just the excitement of going and sharing it, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I think that that was the, the first thing. And then... Obviously, you know, I'm a kid, so you got you know laser swords and yeah. cool sound effects and a lot of ton of colors and shit. And then as I get older, yeah. you go and watch it again, and you're like, oh, this has got this has got a lot of really interesting messaging behind mm-hmm. it as well. And so I think it's it is my favorite movie series. I mean, it, I I think that just universally, it's the most perfect movies because anybody can watch them, any culture, any religion, any race, you know, anything. You can watch these movies and relate to characters in them. You can be swept away into this Absolutely. fantastical adventure. And I think that's something that's gotten lost a little bit these days. They want to put yeah. too much real world into it. I think what's really interesting is when you were talking about it, you said that because I felt the same way. Like, I feel like it was kind of always there. So it's a little bit hard to go back and identify exactly what it was. Because like I said, I didn't even live with my uncle and I'd already dressed up as a Star Wars character for Halloween. So clearly at some level I was already interested yeah. in it. But with that being said, it was going to the movies. Like those are part of it that I remember, like sitting and watching the films. Like, yeah. and then I noticed you said that as well. Like, you know, you already, you always kind of had it. And then when they re-released the films, going and seeing it with your parents, like yeah. that was the moment where it really stuck. And I think that just speaks to the power of a filmmaking 
and a lot of people forget how big of a deal Star Wars was when it came out. Like it completely mm-hmm. shifted people's perception of what kind of stories you could tell with this this medium. And nothing like if nothing else, even if the, the everything else in Star Wars never existed, it is probably the quintessential film in history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and, always love when they put a new hope like up there with Citizen Kane and always Absolutely. Because I understand that like it, maybe the story isn't quite as well written out or whatever the case mm-hmm. is, but it it shifted what people thought For you could do. For escapist entertainment, yeah. there is Absolutely. no better pinnacle. Like, there's just nothing. That I agree. I, and it, like, I'm trying to write my own story. Sometimes it's intimidating because you're like, man, I'll never be as good as yeah. this. And then you also realize how much films pull from Star Wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you see how many similarities there are to just the kinds of stories that they're telling, the way that they construct uh, a trilogy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let's put the dark one in the middle because let's do the Empire. We got to do our version of Empire. We got to wrap it up like you do in Jedi. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely well. Just the special effects too. Like my yeah. dad has told me stories of when that movie started, and you saw you saw the spaceship. Like, oh, okay, then you saw the Star Destroyer, and he said his jaw was like dropping because you just never saw anything yep. like that. And so that always like it does make me happy when you see like. And I will say, for all of the the drawbacks people have with the newest films, visually they do retain that quality. Mm-hmm. It looks fantastic. Yeah, there's a you lot know of what great I mean? shots. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of great shots in there. I just, they needed more direction. I think they needed better leadership, you know, but it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, we'll, maybe we'll get into that in our main topic a little bit more. Yeah. But right now, let's go kick it into the news. So recently, Ewan McGregor has confirmed that uh, Obi-Wan will start, start shooting in late spring in Los Angeles. And he says, John Favreau will not be involved in any way. How do you feel about that? Because that makes me a little nervous. I agree. I think it makes me nervous because Star Wars right now feels like it feels like it's you should probably keep your expectations low, and that's very disappointing. I think that that benefited me greatly going into uh, Rise of Skywalker, and I think a lot of people carried that going into that film a lot. Um, and I think with the Mandalorian, a lot of people kind of had a similar approach. Where like, I'm going to cautiously enjoy this show. Yeah, I, I feel I like didn't have high expectations going in. I think people were hope ex- uh, very, uh, I guess, very optimistic for what it could be, but very realistic about what it might be. So I think I have the same mindset when it comes to that show. But I have a huge soft spot for Obi Wan, so I I really hope it's great. Well, that's what really makes me nervous about this show is you're taking one of the most quintessential yep. Star Wars characters, and now they're talking about. Kathleen Kennedy said that Obi-Wan and Anakin or Darth Vader will have a rematch. That's not, like, have you seen A New Hope? No, yeah, they haven't seen each other in 20 years. So that kind of stuff does make me nervous. Yeah, I understand. What kind of, like, oh, well, you know, actually this is what happened. I agree. And I think that the interesting thing is with a show like The Mandalorian, I, I had the same issues with Solo. Before it came out, I was like, with all due respect, I have trouble investing in a film where I know the main character is not actually in any danger because I know what ends up happening to mm-hmm. him. So while there's a part of me as a fan that's interested in seeing what does happen to Obi-Wan, I kind of don't care. You know, I know he's going to be alive at the end yeah. of it. I know anytime he's in Nothing danger. Nothing will drastically change. Exactly. And I think that while it's an interesting story to go back and tell, I really, I understand that like from a property standpoint, that's a more profitable, uh, okay, we're going to release an Obi-Wan show as opposed to a new character. Like I, I understand why business-wise that makes more sense. But I would like to see them explore some new stuff because I'm worried that they're going to beat the stuff that we know to death and they're going to change it so much that it's not really the same thing as it was when we first started. Mm-hmm. And I think that it could be great. 
right? I could be wrong. It could be on the level of the Mandalorian and I could be incredibly impressed with it and I could end up eating these words in a few years. But I think the fact that he was attached to the one strong Star Wars project and the Disney cycle and he's not attached to this project does make me a little bit nervous. But admittedly, I don't really know who is attached. So uh, Deborah Chow, who directed episodes three and seven, which are some of the best episodes of the first season, okay. is supposedly directing all of them. I don't know who's writing it. But then you have Crazy KK there as a producer. So yeah. it really just makes me nervous. But th- bringing back Ewan McGregor was a great move. Yeah. I, I mean, think that's. I think that definitely should have done that yeah. before he got older. But just the Anakin thing makes me super nervous. And like. The things that I'm most excited about are the new characters. I want to see the Mandalorian. I want to yeah. see this Rangers of the New Republic. I, like, I love the Rebellion, and I want to see the struggles that the Rebellion go through to rebuild the New Republic. Right? I think that's why I like the idea of the Old Republic so much. Is like, I feel like the, what do they call Separate. it now? The, 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 this, uh, Skywalker saga? Yeah, like that, that period of their journey. They've spent so much time in that it would be nice to either let's tell some stories from before this started or let's start telling some stories for what's going on after. Uh, one of the things that really drew me into Star Wars in high school is I read the Tales of the Jedi comics, which take mm. place 5,000 years or 4,000 years before A New Hope. And it has this Jedi student named Exar Kun who just like, I'm just going to be most powerful. So he starts gathering all this dark side lore. And there's this other Jedi named Ulit Keldroma mm-hmm. who, like, goes to join him just to stop him. But he ends up falling. And it's honestly, like, if they did something like that, it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite Star Wars. Like, it's better than some of the movies. Like, no, I agree. And it's it, so good. Just play with, the, play with the stuff that you got. You got a beautiful source material, but you don't have to actually literally work within the source material. You don't have to just go, hey, how do we do Obi-Wan again? How do we take these characters we've already well, seen? Well, I think the like, problem is, is that Disney thinks of these books and novels and comics and all as just like ancillary throwaway material. Mm. Whereas we fans have invested 20 years rereading these things over and over and over again. Like these are, these characters are alive to us. Do you think that they're, they're trying to treat it too much like Marvel? Cause one of the benefits to yes. having a Marvel universe is it's very simple. If we want to put out a new project, we're just going to present a new character. We don't have to invent anything new. We can just go, well, you, I know you guys are not as excited as you were last year, but next year we got the Fantastic Four coming. Yeah. In Star Wars, it's a little bit harder to do that because... I think the hardcore Star Wars fan, like, you look at the history of the... Like, it's almost like a history of the galaxy. Yeah. So you, you can't just start messing with things and changing things I around. Because yeah. then it's like we don't believe that we're reading the history of the galaxy. I think that that's how most Star Wars... Like, we want to pretend this actually happened. We're almost like historians reading about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like most of the reference books I have are like in universe, and so it seems like like oh in the Battle of Yavin, twelve yeah. rebel star, you know, and it becomes more epic that way. And I, I just think that they want to just change whatever they want and make stuff up as they go along. Yeah, which will actually go into our next topic. Alan Tudyk says he will not appear in the Cassian Andor season one, the Rogue One spinoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played K two S O, who was the most popular character in Rogue One by a long mile. And he says he may appear at some point in the future. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, I think it was D23 last year, brought out Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk, who plays K2SO, and said, these are the two stars of our show. So when you talk about making things up as you go along, yeah. what do you think's going on there? Uh, is K2SO still going to be a character on the show? We, we He may appear at some point. Do you think they'll maybe do some, like, he gets Here, reprogrammed and he has a voice? that might, again, play into our main topic. There is a comic book where k2 and cassian already meet for the first time mm. and so they're the star wars story group was a 
I don't even want to say. Like, they, uh, they pretty much have declared that everything is canon. Okay. So everything must matter. A video game has influence just as much as a movie does. Okay. Like what happens in a video game is just as much influence in a movie, which is bullshit. Yeah, you're already. But that's their like yeah. that's their philosophy. I was actually in the panel at a Star Wars celebration where they announced this, and I wanted to get up and ask the question. So what happens if a comic book contradicts with something like Christopher Nolan wants to do? You're going to tell me. You're going to yeah, tell Christopher Nolan exactly. no. Exactly. Yeah. But I did, I obviously didn't get up there and say that. But uh. So that's where they're like coming at. So I I don't know if they're trying to like figure out a way to get around this comic book, but who cares? In the old days of George Lucas, you had G level canon, which was the movies. That's George's canon. Then you had the shows, Extend- which was like C level oh. canon. Then you had like the books, and then the comic books, and the game. Like it was like, if stuff happened at different places, you could easily take it out. It wasn't as big a deal. I think uh, generally speaking. When you take uh, his situation, I can't really speak on. It's entirely possible that maybe a few years ago he was in negotiations and it seemed like he had like an opportunity to, and it's possible maybe he's got something else he's working on in the meantime, which it's unfortunate because I he, think that sometimes when they do these quarterly meetings and stuff like that. He does like have that, a show, uh, Alien. He's on some Alien show now. Is he? So hopefully yeah. he's just busy. I mean, I right? hope. Like hopefully it's just as simple as he's busy and they were like, oh shit, we were going to have him on, but he's yeah. doing something. So we're going to have to find a way to write about around it. I think they prematurely announce a lot of stuff. I think it's, it's interesting because I understand that from uh, a profit sharing perspective and you got all these big investors, you want them to know that in four or five years we're taken care of. But I think that it's very difficult to predict the culture like that. And I think that, I mean, look at star Wars, like force awakens to rise of Skywalker gradually they degressed on their box office total, right? So theoretically, I'm assuming they thought going in, it was going to go the other way, right? And we were just going to keep growing upwards with the Star Wars stuff, but even then... I don't think anything was ever going to be The Force Awakens, the first movie back. No, the expectation was too big. Yeah, I agree. But I I think ideally you're thinking, well, we tell such a good story that it's just going to grow from here, right? We're going to be able to do what the Avengers films did. The first Avengers film comes out and is like the third highest grossing film of all time. And then when they finished it off, it breaks the record, right? So I think that's probably what their expectation was for Star Wars, mm-hmm. which is a reasonable expectation considering it how big the been. franchise is. If you think is. of yeah. that franchise would have been done, it probably would have. If, 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 if Last Jedi would have at least built off yep. and gave a good place for Nine to go, it probably would have. Like The I fan agree. base is there. People go see Star Wars. Even The Last Jedi, people went and saw. Exactly, yeah. All three of them did very well opening weekend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a Star Wars thing, so people are, are always going to be excited to get into it. But I think that sometimes, you know, I don't know. I think it's good to map it out, right? But I think it's it's better to map out the story than to map out the projects. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And make the projects fit around the story as opposed to trying to force the story to fit around the stuff that we've already announced. Yeah, here's our date we have to hit. Exactly. Like, yeah. we have to figure something out to make this make sense three years from now, even though, you know, it might compromise what we're trying to do right now in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely need to get stuff together. <laughs> Kathleen, contra- Kathleen Kennedy's contract is up in September. And I know, like, as a Star Wars fan, I'm just like, why resign this person? You have a, a portion of the fan base, which might even be a majority. I don't know. I, you don't have any. Yeah, it's hard numbers. to say. Yeah. They're always going to be against her. Anything she does, it's just backlash because it's her. And I'm honestly one of those because I'm just, I want her gone. I, so I'm, I'm part of that. So I just, I don't understand why they would resign her, especially when you have a guy like John Favreau. And I understand he's not really a studio runner. Yeah. 
but at least have somebody that works with him well and like because they obviously don't get along. If you watch the Disney Gallery, they're sniping at each other. There's there's like you can see tension. Yeah, and there's all the rumors online, which we won't get into. But of course, yeah. are you disappointed with that news though? Uh, just from like the the project standpoint with uh, with him not being Kate, involved. Oh yeah, I assumed that would be the first or second episode. Yeah, would be him going on a mission and meeting K two. And I actually really liked casting, so I was excited for this show. I'm still kind of excited. I'll see what happens with it. But uh, it does, it's kind of like, why? Uh, unless he is busy, yeah. it really doesn't make any sense not to. Because it's Cassian, I feel like, one of those things, you know exactly where his story's going to end up. You yeah, I know, you know where he's going to head out, yeah. yeah. So, so Do you think he'll one, be as likable of a character without him? Here's the thing, in, in Rogue One, in the beginning of the movie, he's kind of a prick, and yeah. he grows throughout that movie. So are you only going to get the prick? That's Cassian? what uh, like David Spade and Chris Farley, I think one of the reasons that they always worked really well off of each other is Chris Farley kind of humanizes David Spade. He yeah. makes him so much more likable because he's such a likable person and he cares about him, so you kind yeah. of carry that through. That is, I, that is a very good analogy. I felt, like, I felt like that in yeah. Rogue One as well, where I feel like he really makes me like this character a lot more because he's, he's rolling with this yeah. guy here. So. And also, you talk about what he did at the beginning. He's doing all the dirty stuff. He's like assassinating, yeah. sabotaging. That that part of the rebellion does interest me, though. I'm interested in that. But uh, on to like, the good side of what's coming out of Star yeah. Wars, out of the Favreau camp. Uh, Boba Fett, I'm pretty sure, is already filmed. Okay. I think that that one's already filmed. I'm very excited Robert Rodriguez is involved with that. I'm, I'm in on anything he's in. I watched fucking Lucha Underground because of him. He, and he was talking, I watched an interview of how much he just loves Boba Fett. And like you could just see the passion, and that makes me excited. Like a, a, a filmmaker of that quality doing a Boba Fett show. Oh, yeah. Oof. And he's built for Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Oh, his episode, I think, was one of the best of the Which one was series. he the director of? Uh, I know it was the newest season, the right? The one where Boba Fett first comes back and gets his armor. Oh, yeah, that's a great episode yeah. where yeah, Grogu's yep. reaching out. to Yeah. Yeah, that was, I like that one a lot. And then uh, Mandalorian season three is renew is rumored to start filming April fifteenth in London. Okay. So that'll probably put it to a like a late this year, early next year release. They okay. said Boba Fett's coming out right around Christmas. So are they just gonna slingshot the Boba Fett thing? Or are they gonna? Well, that's what I was gonna ask you. Do you think you're gonna start seeing multiple Star Wars shows on at a time, or you think they're gonna go like Boba Fett's off, Mandalorian begins, Mandalorian's off? Ahsoka begins. You know, I think usually I would be concerned. Uh, I guess I'd, I'd draw back to like uh, the 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 CW um, Arrowverse, where it got a little bit overwhelming because in one week you had to watch five or six separate shows. But I think one of the benefits to having a streaming service is you can kind of release what is it eight episodes per mm-hmm. uh, season so far with the Mandalorian. Yeah. So if you do something similar with the Boba Fett show into another season. And then even into a third season of a separate show, altogether that's only twenty four episodes, which is about what a standard season of like a television show would be. Mm-hmm. So I think you could definitely like just go one after another and not really yeah. overwhelm anybody necessarily. Too much. I mean, the, the amount of projects they have announced, they almost have to. Like, yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, what are you going to do? Like delay each of these a year yeah. apart? I don't think that would work as well. No, because they have ten Star Wars shows announced. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, that's just... That's a lot. That's a exactly. Lot. And but at that some point, of them, I will say, are like, here's like a kid's droid show. Yeah, exactly. Here's like an anime show that's probably not going to tie into really anything. So a couple of those aren't going to be really anything that you need to watch. But uh, over at the Star Wars gaming table, we have uh, EA losses exclusivity rights 
to the Star Wars game. It uh, ten years ago, actually, I think it was nine years ago. They signed a ten years contract, so they didn't even make it to the full end of the contract. Oh, so they took a year off. Yeah, I think. I well, I think Disney like yeah. told them no. They signed a deal with Star Wars to do exclusive uh, video games for the next ten years. I think that was in 2012 when they bought the company. Probably, yeah, that makes sense. So ever since then, they've made two Battlefronts, which have been met with. Very Mixed negative reviews. reception. Yeah. I think the games themselves are good. Battlefront 2 really brought it back yeah. around when they started patching stuff up. But EA, at the beginning, tried to milk players for yeah. all they were worth. They released Star Wars Squadrons, which has been a fun game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a small starfighter game. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which I thought was a pretty good a game. Good story, yeah. It, the gameplay could have used a little bit more polishing. And I think that's it. So four, five games, four games in ten years? Yeah, they didn't. And, and none of them have been, like, one of them was a big hit. Jedi Fallen Order was a pretty big hit. Yeah. The other three have not been really big. I think Battlefront 2 has since become a big hit. It like seems like it's, it's had a lot of staying power, yeah. all things considered. I'm happy if EA loses exclusivity to everything. They've completely fucking ruined Madden and a ton of other games as well. Um, I think they're one of the scammiest video game companies out there by far. They've abused the loot box thing almost worse than anybody else has, at least on that big of a level. So... Hearing EA has no more involvement with anything makes me happy. So good for Star I Wars on that, that front. Uh, you know, competition was supposed to be what drove the best product. Oh, absolutely. Well, think about so the old Star Wars gives, games. Yeah. So if you give somebody exclusivity rights, I mean, with the old Star Wars games, at least they were like in yeah. house. These ones are just giving it to a company that doesn't mean it. Like they don't care about Star Wars. They just want your money. No, of course. It's good for them to have and the exclusivity now they have to a it. Yeah. Ubisoft game in development, a Star Wars like open world. I imagine like a Fallout or a yeah. Skyfall type of game. That'll be fun. But yeah, they're they're talking about a lot of different games now. I've, so I think that that's a they realize that's an untapped market because Star Wars games are always high sellers when they're good. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they also feel like they haven't had their masterpiece yet. There's a yeah. lot of strong Star Wars games, but it doesn't feel like there's been the Star Wars like game uncharted yet. Uncharted type yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they've hit that That's level. That's always what I've wanted. It was like an Uncharted type Just, game. You're almost playing through a movie. I love the old, I, I know I've referenced it a few times, but I love the Knights of the Old Republic concept. I'd love to see them revise that. that game? Yeah, I have. That's why I'm interested. That bums me out. It's one of the few games I've never, I didn't own yeah. an Xbox, so I didn't get to play that one. So I really need to like go find an Xbox and play it. I, I love anything. I know the story. Like yeah, I, I know what you mean. Love yeah. the, I love Revan and all that. But yeah, I've actually never gotten to play that one. Uh, my favorite Star Wars game of all time, uh, Rebel Assault 2 for like PlayStation 1 was really good. They've had so many good Star Wars I think Wars mine's games. probably the original Battlefront 2. That, oh, yeah. I think that's probably I the one. That I played one that, one that when I was a kid quite yeah, a bit. I did play that one a lot. Uh, Force Unleashed I played quite a bit. I, played the sh- I had that on the PSP, which since I've heard was supposed to be horrible. I guess I didn't get the message then because I enjoyed the shit out of it. In fairness, I was playing it at like 1 a.m. under my blanket when I was supposed to be sleeping. So there's probably like that excitement level to it as well. That was a good game. I like that game a lot. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Yeah, that told a good story. That's one character that people are always, there's always a lot of characters that people like, bring them back. Is that a character? Yeah. He's one of them. Because like I said, these characters are like alive to us. I've noticed they've been doing that a lot with Mandalorian. They've been kind of just grabbing and pulling any character that they can that people seem like they enjoy. I will say that the ones in the Mandalorian at least seem like they make sense for the story. They're tying them in very well. I I give them credit for that as well. But they are kind of just grabbing and pulling. Like, okay, who's popular here? Who's popular here? How can we find a way to fit them in? I think a lot of it is Dave Filoni wanting to tell the stories he's started in the Clone Wars. And now he's starting to like, Oh, I can do this. In Let's sink action. it in this way. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. You, as soon as the Mandalorian started, I knew he was bringing Ahsoka because he he loves Ahsoka, 
he'll do anything with her. Hey, they nailed her intro scene. They did. did I was a big fan of that. She did a good job. Uh, Another gaming news for Star Wars Armada, which is a Star Wars naval miniature game. Not a lot of people Mm. probably play that one, but they announced (laughs) a new wave for the Clone Wars. Uh, You get a Venator and the Pelta for the Republic and a Providence class, which is like the Invisible Hand, uh, General Grievous' ship. And you get a Recusant class, which appears in the Clone Wars a lot. Uh, for the Separatists, and that one will come out in April. So I'm kind of excited for that. Get some new Armada. That's one of my favorite games. How often it's, does uh, that update? You get one maybe once a year. Okay. So it's not very often. But it's like giant Star Wars ship miniatures, and you you battle each other on a, you know, you got oh, a little cool. dice. Yeah. It's really cool. It's oh, like a role-playing favorite. game, kind of? Sort of. I mean, if you really want. There is like a campaign you can play through and everything. But a lot of it's just throwing dice and trying to bring down enemy ships. That's cool. But yeah, it's one of my favorite games. So that one is coming out soon. All right. And so now I had a main topic that we kind of touched upon a couple of times is, is canon the the notion that everything has to matter hurting Star Wars storytelling? And I think it is in a certain couple of different ways. Like I said, if somebody wants to do something, they can't do it because this comic or book or something specifically Mm -hmm. said something to the opposite. Or... I think it hurts something like The Mandalorian, where you have a trilogy of movies, which is the majority of Star Wars fans, and I'm talking about the people that are really into Star Wars. Yeah. The majority of them do not like these movies. The majority of them want them gone. They just do not like them. And so now you have, well, now we have to tie our most popular franchise, which has really become Disney's most popular franchise. Oh, yeah. The Mandalorian is like a subset franchise now. It's been huge for the streaming service. Yeah, it's, been, yeah. it's like it's separate from Star Wars now. So now we have to tie that into a series of movies that people don't like and that aren't good story-wise. I mean, as long if you like the movies, it's one thing, but they're just not good stories. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Do you think that like they should... There's been pitched the concept of multiple universes. You could put them in a different timeline. Most people say what they're going to do is just forget about them. They're never going to mention them again and then just make new movies Blow past them, go yeah. over them. What do you uh, think would be the best approach? I think, to be completely honest, I think it's a, a bigger question than even your... I think canon in general, the idea of canon, I think it's something that is... It's I think a religious it, cult mindset almost. I agree, and I also think you it's... You have a, to adhere to this. It's a dated concept as well, it because it, it makes sense when you take, like... People don't remember how unorganized some of the stories were in film or in, in studios and so on and so forth 15, 20, 30 years ago before the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, right? People really do take for granted how how strong of a job they've done of cohesively, to a degree, connecting everything, right? Because I remember watching like Batman movies where Superman didn't exist. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then maybe they would throw a throwaway line in just for the nerds sitting at home, like uh, uh, the Batman with uh, that's George Clooney, right? When he throwaway line where he says, uh, you know, Superman doesn't have to deal with this or whatever yeah. the fuck he says. You that was the most you got. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that was the extent of it. There was no, we're actually playing out these comic books in real life kind of a situation. And I think that if it were going to work with any kind of a story, it works within comic books. You know what I mean? Like it makes sense to have. Spider-Man showing up in Iron Man's stories because people who grew up learning about these characters, that's that's how that would happen, right? Spider-Man would cross over and do an Iron Man comic, so it makes sense to see something like that on film. I don't think that that concept necessarily even applies to Star Wars, if I'm being completely honest. I think you can loosely tie things together 
But you're literally, it's a full universe. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you that's, don't. That's, I think, one of the biggest problems with Star Wars. And was, this was even when George Lucas was running it, that they try to make it feel too small sometimes. Like, yeah. You run into the same characters over exactly. and over again, and it's just like. And I think that it works with with a with a series, right? When you got a series of six films, it works because you want the story to make sense, and you know you kind of you, you have these pre-established relationships that you understand, and all of those other things. But I think that when you're ex- expanding your content, you're limiting yourself. Like I said, like as cool as it is to have an Obi Wan show, we already know what happened with Obi Wan. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to tell any more of his story. You can, right? And and maybe maybe it will make the character deeper and more complex but you overwhelmingly in most of these situations run the risk of instead of making them more complex making them more confusing you know what i mean and i think that for somebody like me who i'll go see him opening weekend right uh i was a little hesitant to start the mandalorian uh when i did start the mandalorian i wasn't especially impressed at the beginning but i ended up coming around quite a bit so for people like me who aren't there consistently, sometimes the canon thing can get a little bit confusing. Um, I've been watching WandaVision with my fiance, and it, it sucks sometimes having to pause and explain what's going on, right? Because she hasn't been watching for the last 15 years what's happening. So I think by default, when you do something like a canon, you also kind of are alienating a large portion of an audience that you could potentially have. But that's why stuff like... I love the expanded universe, because if you were interested in it enough... Here's let's dig deep as we can possibly get. And it's in books and stuff, right? So we don't have to overwhelm people with a thousand movies. And don't get me wrong, some of those stories would probably be great on film, mm-hmm. but they've already been told very well and that's honestly good enough in some some areas. And I think that Disney right now, they're just trying to milk the cow. I mean, it is what it is at this point. Like yeah. they they have a really big intellectual property and that they spent 4.5 billion dollars. Exactly. So they're going to they're trying to create a sandbox for fans to live in, right? So they're trying to give you 10, 15, 20 things that you like about it that we can turn into a theme park or that we can turn into merchandise and I think that inevitably it was going to happen given who purchased it. Look what they've done with Marvel and all the Pixar properties and everything else that they've honestly ever even really had at this point. Um, it's multidimensional, right? It's not just film. They didn't just buy the rights to the Star Wars films. They bought the rights to do everything in the world with Star Wars, so let's turn it into an amusement park and all of these other well, things. Well, Star Wars is very much a lifestyle. Like if exactly. You're, if you're a really big fan like I am, you read the books, you read the comics, you buy yeah. everything pretty much. I mean, it's... And I it, think it's it ironic... like a lifestyle. That they're... Like, you, you've you watched the films. I'm assuming you've watched the, the old Christmas special. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you've watched that old weird Ewok cartoon. If it's filmed and I have if I have access to it, I've seen it. Like, I'm I've assuming you've read everything, most yeah. of the extended universe that you could find. I'm yeah. sure you've read comic books, and I'm sure not all of that ties together, but mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember portions of all of it. But that's the thing that like, never matters to me. Exactly. And there's a lot of people that I'll see on like Facebook and stuff, and they'll be asking, they want to start reading the books. And they'll be like, I don't want anything that's not canon. So I'm like, oh, so you're eliminating yeah. the best Star Wars exactly. stories. Just because Disney told you to. Well, think about if Christopher Nolan, when he was making The Dark Knight, was like, fuck, how do we make this tie in with all of the other Batman stuff that's already been out? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he would have limited himself. He would have had to make a lot of bullshit up to explain how the story got to this point. And I think it's it's a cool in theory, right? Like, the idea of, like, when I play a video game, it also ties in with the movie. But then when you start thinking about it, you realize it's more of a marketing thing than it is it's better in theory than it is in execution. You know what I mean? Because then you're like, well, fuck, what if I don't want to play that video game? Well, now there's that's, just a- that's, that's one of the, another big problem with canon. 
right now they have this thing, the uh, book series called The High Republic coming out, mm-hmm. which takes place 200 years before uh, Phantom Menace. Okay. And they're pretty much rewriting the Jedi. They're changing the Jedi. Mm. They're making Yoda look like he's an idiot and he's to blame for how the Jedi fell. There's a lot of things that I don't like. like yeah, that yeah. is not Star Wars to me. So now you have to deal with like this thing with fans like that's not I'm not reading that. Like I'm yeah, not getting yeah. involved with that. And I think most fans feel that way about that project. So now you have things that you've released that you've said are official canons now they have to count that again most people don't like. Most people don't want to don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I agree. I think when you start messing with the original cuts of the films because it's it's really interesting. Don't too. change the original intention. I was gonna never. Say, but at the same time, it's so fascinating that out of all of the franchises in the world, we could be having this conversation with. T- a little over twenty twenty four years ago, there was a lot of negative reception towards George Lucas doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting because people have already have, people have already had this franchise fucked with so much that I think that's one of the reasons why it feels different with this one than others is because. This has been an ongoing process for 24, 25 years. I mean, all things considered, what, 1978 was when uh, New Hope came out? 77. 77. So at this point in time, you're talking about 44 years, right? Mm-hmm. So people for 44 years have been following these stories, and every few years they get fucked with a little bit. You know what I mean? So inevitably there's going to be a fall-off point, and there's going to be a generational gap. And I think that it was bound to happen, and I wish it would have happened with original stories as opposed to trying to tie it into this whole Skywalker saga idea. I wish well, that... To me, if you're going to take an ending, like Return of the Jedi, and you're going to undo it, you better know exactly what you're doing, Yeah. what the purpose of it is. Like You better have it all mapped out. Don't just say, we're making this movie two years from now, so we got to rush it out. Yeah. That is what they did. I, 2012, they got the rights to it, and then it was yeah. December 2015. So yeah. really, they so. had two years. Yeah, and then, I mean, they probably rushed right into production within a year, well, year and a half. Well, The Last Jedi was written before the force awakens was even released to the public mm. they had written that script before the first movie like i don't think that's ever been done in the history of film i've tried to find it that's interesting i mean yeah, yeah i don't know it's hard to say i know they especially filmed, when it's done yeah. by different people yeah like i mean i can understand like i'm sure they were script. all in like writing rooms yeah. together and stuff but he, he dumped all his notes <laughs> he took jj's notes and yeah, well they did the same thing to george lucas yeah they sure did and it I, seems like that's a lot of it comes down to and you can correct me on this if you disagree. I think George Lucas established himself as a legend in film because of Star Wars. That's not really debatable. So when you now free up the position, it's almost like the Dallas Cowboys coaching job is now available, right? Like, I now have the responsibility to be the head coach of America's team, right? Like, the most storied franchise in NFL history. I am now the leader. I am now running the ship. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be a little bit of an ego complex going on there. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to completely change this culture because I'm in charge of it now. Well, that's exactly what Kathleen Kennedy tried to do. She she thinks Star Wars fans are all 40-year-old versions in their basements. Mm -hmm. She doesn't realize that Star Wars is like a multi-generational thing. Yeah. So she wanted to go and try to take all the young kids and, like, make them the big Star Wars fan. But I don't think she realized, like, the older people who get yeah. younger people into and Star And you probably Wars. could have done it better because, I mean, even some of the actors in the films who are the young people in those Star Wars movies have come out since yeah. and said, like, we didn't really like where we were heading with no, all I of mean, this. No, I mean, well, they were just bad, they're just bad yeah. stories. I mean, at the end of the day, they're just not good stories. It's not one coherent story that fits into the Star Wars universe. It's a problem. And, like, that's what I said. Like, how do you take care of that? Because now it's affecting the Mandalorian. 
And I love him, man. Mandalorian has mm-hmm. made me the happiest I've been. That's honestly why I started this podcast was because Luke Skywalker came back. I got really. you excited. And I felt like again. a little yep. kid again. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Like, I wanted to see Luke. So, like, to now have to tie that in to a shitty version of him where that's not Luke Skywalker. I don't care what anybody says. That was not Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was not how he would act. Think of, like, if they released a new New Testament. Here's Jesus Christ. He left Mary to the Romans. He said, burn Christianity down. This, this is all bullshit. I mean, like, Christian, Christians would go nuts. And it's, it's the same thing with Star Wars. Like, Luke Skywalker is the goddamn central figure of the mythology, mm-hmm. and you just took a shit all over him. So any way you slice it, it's not a good story. Any way that you try to, because like, they're talking about retconning it to where he's, like, acting that way to try to protect Baby Yoda. It's like, I don't like that. That's yeah, still as stupid as fuck. Well, th- there's a, a lot of that now. And this is something that I have issues just with new media in general. And I, I mean, obviously, I don't. It's a Star Wars podcast. I don't want it to get too negative. But you have to accept creative failure sometimes. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I, a really fantastic example of that would be Alien 3. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got Alien, Aliens, both critically acclaimed uh, careers for the directors took off. Same thing happened with the guy who directed Alien 3. But... It didn't get received very well. I like Alien 3. I know a lot of people who yeah. are fans of it do as well, but it wasn't received very well. And they could have made an Alien 4 where they go back and try to correct Alien 3. And instead, they just moved on. You know what I mean? And then the, the issue with Alien is you get Prometheus, which they try to do the exact same bullshit with where it doesn't get received very well, so they try to make another movie where they go back and fix their problems. And instead of trying to do the Days of Future Past thing, Sometimes you just got to scrap it and admit that it didn't work and then give it a little bit of time and then try again. In in Star Wars Rebels, there's an episode where Ezra, the main character of that show, goes to this Jedi temple and there's like this place where there's like stars and there's walkways and there's portals pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be the force, like the universal force in one spot, like branching okay. out to all, all universes pretty gotcha. much. So to me, that could be a way that you could move the sequels to their own thing. So if you're a sequel fan, they're still there. You can watch them. They're part of a different universe. And then The Mandalorian could still technically kind of be tied into it, but then could go do its own thing. But then I think you could bring back the expanded universe and be like, here's its own universe. Yeah. Here's, you know, I mean, you could do different things with that. And I never in a million years would have thought I'd want alternate realities or <laughs> time travel in Star yeah. Wars. Like I would have, no, it's stupid. But we're at a point. What else yeah. are you going to do? So uh, I agree. I think, I don't know, it, it almost seems like now it would have been a better idea for them to have kept it all separate so that they could have given everybody a little bit of something. If you want to do a teeny bopper Star Wars show, you want to make like a yeah. Degrassi Star Wars show, you I'd can do it. that. You know what I mean? And nobody's going to be like, a, yeah, they're all at the Jedi Temple together. I'd and like an Imperial frustration. Like yeah, a, I get what you mean. Yeah. That'd be cool. But you could do something like that and you could make it hip and young but then it not have anything to do with the other stuff. You know what I mean? I don't think Star Wars I fans that, would be... I, no, I think that's what they should do. Yeah. I actually pitched this idea on a Star Wars group I was in. Most people acted like I was insane. <laughs> but I said, you should take the original six films filmed by George Lucas. And that's all that matters. So anything else has to reference that and build off the rules in that, but doesn't have to touch anything else. If yeah. you want to build off something that's you know, ancillary, mm-hmm. you can... So, like, if you want to do Mandalorian, like, a little pocket universe, fine. Yeah. But then nothing is – it's just the six movies. And then I think that's easier for, like, you talk about with your girlfriend 
who doesn't know what's going on. Your girlfriend has seen the six movies. That's all she needs to know. Yeah, there's a the few forward. reference lines or whatever. You don't yeah, need to exactly. know. Hey, in season four of The Mandalorian, episode five, because that's what you're going to get. When you have 10 Star Wars shows, you're going to get 85 hours of Star Wars. Con- yeah. How are you going to remember everything? Exactly. Keeping track of con- canon is going to be a full-time job. And I think another, uh, to your point right there, the reason that the original films get quoted so much, because realistically it's three films, right? There are three films that are the, the center the of the, the universe, right? Those are the three things that universally it seems like Star Wars fans can agree on, mm-hmm. regardless of what generation you're in. Um, it's the least divisive trilogy by far out of the three trilogies, out of the, the trilogy trilogy. But those films are also old. So they've been around for a long time, so a lot of the elements of the films that have bled into culture have been in culture for quite a while, right? The Luke, I am your father thing has been around for people who don't even know what Star Wars is, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because it's just such a a big thing. It's been parodied and everything. Exactly, and I think sometimes, uh, you know, you get like, well, because it's Star Wars, everybody's going to remember everything. And that's not necessarily the case, like for myself... Even going back to some of the original Star Wars, sometimes I can't remember some of the other bounty hunters' names, or sometimes I can't remember what was the fucking weird uh, chipmunk dude. What we call him? Nub. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that name freaks me out too. Yeah, I don't expect people to like those characters. Mostly have names from like action figures, exactly. Yeah, and like little reference books. Like and they're not like you know like big characters. And that's the yeah. point is, but they've been around for so long that when you throw a character like that in Force Awakens, subconsciously people are gonna remember it, right? Mm-hmm. But then I was watching a video like within a week and it was just like a YouTube video of somebody like doing like a what went wrong with Rise of Skywalker. And they showed me a few characters and I was like, holy fuck, I saw this movie a year ago and I don't even remember this chick being in the movie. And I think that that's part of the problem when you try to make everything canon, you assume everybody's going to remember everything, Mm -hmm. right? Star Wars didn't make the film and go like, okay, we're going to make Boba Fett badass so that in 40 years we can bring him back and make a shit time. You know, he just so happened to be like, oh, that's a really cool looking character. For some reason, people were just incredibly drawn to him to the point where organically they were like, let's expand this dude's life. Like, Mm -hmm. let's find out what's going on with him. And I think that you got to let it happen organically. And unfortunately, when you're owned by somebody like Disney, who four or five years from now, they're going to have 250 million subscribers on Disney+. Plus. So if that's the goal, they're going to put out as much content as they can to get people to that point, regardless of whether or not it's good content. Yeah. And I think that, unfortunately, we're in a weird situation where I don't think it's all going to mix together in a few years. I think eventually they're going to give up on that concept. I think we saw DC give up on that concept within the last few years. They tried really hard to, to match the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Well, think about being a screenwriter. You're hired to direct one episode of The Mandalorian or something. Mm-hmm. You now have to go back and watch 67 yeah. episodes of everything. Yep. And you can't make one mistake. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it's just overwhelming. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know how you could do it. You can't well, creatively go that way you can't just be stifled so much well you see it in marvel as well you've had filmmakers leave some of the most talented filmmakers that they've worked with have bounced out of the projects because they don't want to try to like mm-hmm. edgar wright doesn't want to do an ant-man because he wants to just tell his own story he doesn't want to have to worry about tying everything in with well, this bigger look universe at the history of kathleen kennedy's production problems every single one has been the director telling her like no like pretty much like yeah. we're not doing it that way she, i mean she's lost uh she had Gareth Edwards got replaced in Rogue One. Yep. Uh, Colin Trevorrow got replaced on Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, he was supposed Phil to Lord, Chris nine. Miller on Solo. Mm-hmm. Josh Trank got hired to do a Boba Fett movie, and that disappeared. I mean, just about everything she's done has yeah. had 
I think that she tries to hire young directors that will listen to her. She, I think she really has a power trip. I really do. Like she, she just seems like the type that <laughs> wants to exercise. Uh-huh. But uh, you lose you lose filmmakers when you go yeah. about things that way. I mean, it's interesting because like uh, you know you get Joss Whedon dropping out of the Avengers films, right? The Avengers worked because of him. Like it legit, he was the only director probably in Hollywood that could have made that work the way he did. And I, I'm a big Buffy fan, and I've always thought the best thing he ever did in Buffy, and I know it's my, found a way to sneak Buffy in, but he would take story arcs, like five, six different character story arcs, and the episode he directed was the wrap-up story, mm-hmm. right? He was the one that took all of these five arcs, and this episode, we're going to progress the shit out of them, and now it's really, you know what I mean? We're going to tie up all these loose ends, and that's essentially what the Avengers was. We're going to take four different stories, and we're going to combine them into this one movie, so he made sense for the role. Well, then he goes into Age of Ultron, and then all of a sudden you see him in the public, and he's talking about, like, it's fucking, I'd rather kill myself. I know that was uh, Daniel Craig said, I would rather slip my own wrist than do another Bond movie. But, you know, Joss Whedon's talking about how it's a nightmare, it's so stressful, I can't do my own thing. Edgar Wright drops out of Ant-Man not too long afterwards. And then they got lucky as hell, and they stumbled into Homeboys from uh, Arrested Development, right? And they got to just take control of everything else from that point. Creatively... Warner Brothers has been in a better position with the the superhero films because they get to give unique directors a unique voice, right? You don't get a Todd Phillips Joker in the Marvel universe, regardless of, you know, the, the reception that the film got. Like, overwhelmingly, it was considered a huge success, and if nothing else, it was a unique and original story. Star Wars is in a really difficult place right now where I don't think you're really going to see that. You know what I mean? Like, it's all going to have to feel like Star Wars because, like, you see it with Marvel. It's all shot the same way. Mm-hmm. It looks the same. Star Wars is kind of already starting to fall into that. Mm. The Mandalorian, luckily, it's a TV show, so it gets to play with some some different kind of visuals. Mm-hmm. So it gets to look a little bit different because of that. I think uh, I think canon in general is a bad thing. It's it's too limiting. It it seems like it pisses off creative types. Well, you look at like something like uh, you, you relate Star Wars to mythology. Look at the King Arthur legends. Mm. There are four or five different accounts yep. of King Arthur's life. Some where Morgana Le Fay is his sister, some where they're not, some where they have a kid, and that kid kills King Arthur, some where it doesn't. I mean, there's all like different variations of it. And it's all grown naturally, and over the years, it's kind of blended into one monomyth that we all know mm-hmm. of King Arthur. So I've always thought that was interesting. Do you think that they ever will remake the original trilogy? I was just actually going to ask you, do you think that the worst thing that, yes. that they could have done, do you think it would have been worse if they would have retold the original films poorly? than what they did with the most recent trilogy? Uh, Do you think retconning the mythology as opposed to just retelling it in your own way is more offensive? So they, they remade the original trilogy and then made them bad? Like they changed, did, like they, changed mythology? They, they, assuming they were going to remake it, they're probably going to change a lot of qualities. But they'd have done the same thing with Luke. Uh, they would have made I would rather cynical. have the sequels than okay, that. I gotcha. would never want to see that. I think that you will see the originals get remade at some point. Because it's the most popular story of all time, this the special effects and things will eventually get to where people just don't want to watch. Do you think it. Sebastian stands the start of that? It's possible. I I want him to play Luke. Personally, Do you think though if it works, the, that's they'll... the project I want the most as a Luke show. What were you saying? I'm sorry. I was gonna say, do you think if it works though? Do you think that they'll be overly incentivized to? Then I don't think push you'll see it for and... decades, okay. but it'll eventually happen. I don't think it'll happen for like ten years at the most. Because it was 2005 to 2015 was the gap we got. But if I want to be more accurate, uh, probably an easier one to compare to just because it's more modern times would be uh, the last Harry Potter was in 20, 
11. And then I think they rebooted it by 26. Not rebooted it, but they announced the yeah, prequels well, within I mean, four or five years. You're see sequels and things like that. Because the next one's Squadron, right? That's Rogue the next Squadron, the, yeah. the movie that they're that releasing. That one makes me really nervous. That's Patty Jenkins, right? Yes. Well, not only because... But to me, like Rogue Squadron is the galactic civil war. It's like mm. the time of the rebellion. And I keep hearing rumors that that's past Revenge of the or Rise of Skywalker. And it's like, I don't want to watch. I'd like to pretend they don't exist. Yeah. Like, I don't I get watch what anything you mean. past it. Yeah. So that one's kind of weird to me, but that's kind of where just where I, where my canon ends is the moment where Luke walks into Kylo's hut and tries <laughs> to murder him. That's where my canon officially ends. I don't gotcha. go past that moment. So anything past that, Nothing happened. Do you me. think in uh, 10, 15 years we're going to see a clamoring for people like Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver to come back? Because oh, yeah. I was shocked with the reception Hayden Christensen got a few yeah. years ago at that Comic-Con where he got I a standing O. There's a lot. There's a good amount of sequel fans, and they're not the worst movies. No, I agree wholeheartedly. They're just yeah. not good Star Wars movies. They don't fit into the universe well. But they're like they're not bad. Uh, Rise of Skywalker is a bad movie. There's nothing redeeming about that movie to me. I agree. It's a clusterfuck. But yeah. Last Jedi, I don't like what it does, but at least it's like got some flair. Yeah. It's got some nice shots and stuff. Force Awakens does feel like it's just a total. Now that I watched I watched it a couple months ago, and I was like, man, this is, I didn't even finish the rest of the trilogy. It's, I was like, Yeah, it's a filler movie, yeah. it feels like. And it sucks because it seems like I, I felt that way well, after What does that released? tell you? That me as a Star Wars fan, I've probably watched the original trilogy 800 times. I tried to rewatch the sequel trilogy. I didn't even make it through The Force Awakens. That's a tough one right it's, there. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. Like I couldn't do it. Do you think that... Mm, trying to get get the question out without it being too political. Do you think that the, the Star Wars fan base right now is ever going to be acceptant or accepting of the the new trilogies or do you think that it, it well, that's, that's, offended them so much that there's always going to be a subset of people who won't even accept that's anything that's a big discussion among star wars there's a lot of people who say like oh well the, the prequels were hated when they came out and now people like them yeah and i remember that too. i think yeah. that the prequels weren't hated in the same way though i think the prequels were people were disappointed because they had expectations of what they thought was i i never really when i was a kid thought about what happened before the Star Wars. I always thought what happened next. Yeah, I Which is why I think the sequel is disappointing because that's what I've been like yeah, exactly, yeah. imagining for the last 30 years. So I think that was a big part of the prequel backlash was people were just upset that it wasn't the way that they wanted. And the prequel trilogy feels a little different. Like the universe feels cleaner. Yeah, they feel, yeah. It doesn't feel exactly They also feel the like same. more adult movies than yes. the, the original films do. And they also pack so much story into three movies. It's almost too much story. Mm-hmm. But so I think that that over time can be digested. People can get used to those things, which is what's happened with this prequel trilogy. But with the sequels, you have your favorite character, not him. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's really anything they could ever do to make me care about that movie because it's like Luke is somebody in my, it's almost like Jesus. Like I look yeah. up to Luke. Luke is a source of strength in times of darkness. And so to see him just treated that way and just like not even act like him, like not do any. I cannot believe for a minute Luke would leave Leia alone. Luke mm-hmm. would never ever leave his sister to fight a war by herself. Yeah. Especially with like and leave his nephew 
to just go do dark side shit. Han Solo gets murdered and he's just like, damn, that sucks. I'm oh, going to watch, man, watch I, this like, from my afar. Bad. Yeah. I guess I'll sit here and die anyways. Yeah. I mean, at least like come back at that point. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't see what they could ever do to make me accept that. And that's the point of, I think canon is hurt because I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's a lot of people who just nothing you could do would ever fix those movies. Especially considering uh, we've lost Carrie Fisher since. Yeah. It seems unrealistic that we're probably going to ever get Mark Hamill dressed up as Luke Skywalker on, on camera again. I think that was a beautiful send-off yeah. on The Mandalorian. You got him one la- he got one last time to play the Luke we all knew and loved. And I, I, I think that that's good. Now hand it over to Sebastian Stan. Yeah, whoever else picks Yoda up the mandal. And yep. Give me that show because I want to watch it. I do too. It's going to be nice. It's going to yeah. be poetic to watch him train a little Yoda. Hell yeah. And then uh, somebody said, like, you could now do a Star Wars 600 years in the future, and Baby Yoda is teaching a generation of Jedi. Oh, yeah. And he's keeping Luke's spirit alive. I'm like, oh my, that's, that's fucking beautiful. Do you think that's where they go to kind of ignore all so. of the issues? They I just like fast that. forward quite a few years into the future? Yeah, I think you could do that. But it's still like you you took away the chosen one from Anakin. That's mm-hmm. mythology that you mess with. I don't think people ever accept that. You made the main hero of the saga the villain's family. Like Ray is yeah, a Palpatine. Like offspring, yeah. Palpatine is the most evil, black hearted person in Star Wars. He is not a redeemable character. He's not a good guy at all. He has done nothing but brought the Skywalkers grief and misery. So to have his granddaughter take their name, take Luke's house, take Han Solo's Millennium Falcon, take their lightsabers, like, it's just, no, like, that's not good. I don't like it. It's like almost like Disney buying a uh, film franchise that the director was very adamant that he had the exclusive yeah, rights to a like long time we're ago. we're putting our stamp on yep. it. And that's like Galaxy's Edge, the theme park. That was originally supposed to be original trilogy. You're supposed to go to Endor. You're supposed to go to Tatooine. And Kathleen Kennedy said, no, we don't want to build a park for the 50-somethings. We want to build a park for the kids. Well, the kids don't want to go there either. Kids want Baby Yoda and Mandalorian. That's what they're about to change the park to now. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't see any way that they could fix those movies. I think you just have to dump them because it's too toxic to the start. And like too many bad things have happened surrounding them. Mm-hmm. It will always harken back to one of, I think, the darkest period in Star Wars. Oh, like, yeah. When the Last Jedi came out, there was a civil war among Star Wars fans. It was it was brutal. Like I I've always loved Star Wars fandom. The people have always been cool. You've always like, oh, we talk about Star Wars, blah blah. blah. Nothing else has really mattered. It's always just been about yeah. Star Wars. And now you're getting real world politics. Yeah, and it's all exact, this yeah. real just nonsense. And it's just like this is not what Star Wars should be talking about. And even recently, you've had this controversy with people from Lucasfilm. You know, saying things that are a little dicey. Like, I, I don't think that people that are representative of a company should be saying things like that. You know what I mean? Are you referencing when they were talking shit about my man's crying on stream? That made me sad. Well, that to see. that was shitty. They attacked a yeah, fan. That, that made me sad to but see. But recently, some of the writers of the High Republic have said some pretty bigoted comments on Twitter mm. and things like that, and it's been directed at one particular, uh, you know, group. Yeah. And. I just think that that's not what Star Wars should be about. Star Wars, especially the people writing Star Wars, should almost be hippies. Everybody thinks about peace and love. And like, I want the George Lucas hippies writing. I don't want people yeah, yeah. that have anger and hatred in their heart writing about Jedi. Because you will never get authentic Jedi from that. So that's, I think, a big problem. I think I think that's another big issue. Like, you got to dump the Star Wars sequels. 
and you got to get new leadership. And I think if they did that, I think Star Wars would be in a fine place. You have the Mandalorian. It's almost universally like accepted. People like it. Yeah. I don't even really heard too many complaints about it. So I, I just don't know what they're doing anymore. It's like you, I've lost faith in like what's going on anymore. Yeah. And it sucks as a Star Wars because I'm always going to care about Star Wars. Like it's always yeah, going to yeah. be in my life. I've recently started rereading the old books and comics that I like originally fell in love with. And it's really like brought me back into why I love Star Wars. Like this is just good escapist yeah, yeah. entertainment. You can pick up some wisdom and some philosophy along the way. And that's what it's all about. It's a, it's a space adventure. It shouldn't be a political propaganda tool. Oh, I agree. I also think it's really sad that it feels like the the newest sequel trilogy. It was uh, it was battling uphill. It seemed like they were really trying to avoid the kind of reception that the prequels got. You know they what I mean? Like yeah. they were terrified that they were gonna yeah. they were gonna release these films and that people were gonna be like, oh no, this uh, this isn't the originals anymore. And it it's ironic because then when they came out, it it kind of seemed like. Right then, people started developing a little bit more of an appreciation for the prequels. So I think that yeah, moving forward, I, it's just the wrong approach. You know what I mean? Like, you're so afraid of failing that you have to play it as safe as you can. And it's like Star Wars was one of the most boldest film projects you could have possibly imagined at the time. The scope yeah. of the story he was trying to tell with the limited technology that he had to tell it, mm-hmm. that was one of the ballsiest projects you could have po- to expect. Back then, there wasn't just a bunch of sci-fo, sci-fi mumbo jumbo on TV. So when people no. heard that shit, you know, sometimes it was, it was a little really off-putting. Only Star Trek, yeah, and like Six Million Dollar Man, wasn't a lot. And then it it worked. It was a cultural phenomenon at the time, the highest-grossing film of all time. Like, there's a really good documentary on the actual like pop culture impact of Star Trek: Empire of Dreams on uh, Disney Plus. I haven't seen that yet. It's really good. It goes into the making of the original trilogy and just how much it like changed the culture. It's, oh, yeah. it's really interesting. I That's guess one thing I would I'm kind of jealous of is I never got to see like the OG Star Wars stuff. I get what you mean. Yeah. But like I said, I grew up in the '90s, and I feel like '90s was an awesome time to be a Star Wars fan. Plus, then we had the prequels at the end of the decade. Yeah, so. to write into some new films. Yeah. Last question I'll ask you because I'm I'm interested in uh, to getting your perspective on this. Um, fuck, what'd you just mention? prequels it was before the prequel you said uh, uh the empire of dreams empire of dreams um one of the things that i was interested in uh i've the one major documentary i've seen within star wars is the people versus george lucas oh my god and it's it's fascinating to me to look back on like like a subculture of fans even you know 20 years ago or so that like violently disagreed you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. they violently disagreed with the franchise so it's not entirely surprising to see like a, a bit of a toxic fandom around it and i was what i was going to ask you was you've been deeper in the conversations than i have i've always had very surface level conversations with people about star wars so do you feel like there's always been a subset of this like like lost people who have this one thing to connect to who are always going to take it a little too seriously and then it's grown from there or do you feel like that was a very, very small element of it and a lot of the uh, anger towards the films today is a little more justified than it was back then? Because it's interesting because a lot of people forget, like, Han shot first. Like, that was a, that was a yeah. rallying cry, you know what I mean? That was, oh, yeah. we are vehemently against George these, these the edits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I feel like there always has been, at least since the special editions when he okay. changed the original trilogy and added scenes in and some scenes are just altered. They're just different. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, some people even say like the music at the beginning is different. I've never been that much of a technical mm. like to know the difference. But uh, there's always been that because so, I think that so that was 20 years after the original trilogy came out. Yeah, 97. So for 20 years you've been watching this movie over and over and over and over again, and there's nothing else. You just have those three mm-hmm. movies. So I do understand when like it got changed, people got mad. But I think that the level they took it to was a way too far. Yeah. That movie was a hit piece. Like they were saying like George Lucas raped my childhood and all yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I've seen some And that's kinda that. that's a little much. But when the prequels came out, I do rem- I don't remember hearing about any prequel hate until after Revenge of the Sith. Cause I was young and like everybody yeah, yeah. I knew liked the prequels. Yeah, all, all the, the kids, kids that I went to school with, yeah. My dad liked them. So I mean like I didn't really like know they were hated. And then after Revenge of the Sith came out, people were like, man, these, these movies sound like, really? I really, I really yeah, like yeah. these movies. So, and I think that a big part of that was, like I said, the disappointment. Mm-hmm. And it was just different. Whereas these movies, I feel like, are offensive. Gotcha. They're like in your face. Like, they're almost like throwing shit in your face. Like the lightsaber throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like, you take, you, you set this whole first movie up that this is like a sacred artifact. And then the next movie is just like, yep, oh, fuck that. I can't think of anything better to write in this scene, so I'm just going to throw this lightsaber away. Do you think it felt like we're going to, like, your gods aren't gods, go fuck yourself? I think that that's exactly what The Last Jedi was trying to do. They're yeah. trying to tell you that Luke is a human, which I understand, but you don't need to make him a total piece of shit to, like, make him a human being. You just yeah, have yeah, to yeah. show vulnerability. That's an overly simplistic approach to it. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah. And like, so I like I I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to be like everything that you care about, you should. Because I mean, you think about like when they're burning down the Jedi books and at Yoda the end, pretty yeah. much. T- I mm-hmm. think even Yoda was weird in that movie. Yeah, man, you fuck up Yoda, man. When he first appeared in the first time I watched that, and like he was messing with Luke, I was like, "Is this Snoke like doing a force <laughs> project?" I was honestly like, "This is not You're Yoda." Bunking him on the head. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I, that's what I think. Just like. Nothing will ever change the, the sequels. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not a genius. I'm not a, a mind reader. I don't know how people are going to react in 10 years. I just know me personally, I'm probably never going get, to get around yeah, to them. Yeah, understood. I, I like Rogue One. I can do Solo. It's all right. It's not overly offensive. I understand, yeah. See, that's to me what I thought Star Wars was going to be. I thought Star Wars was going to become, yeah, mm-hmm. like just Solo, like a mediocre... We don't really do anything, but here's your stuff that you like. Yeah, in the yeah. Movie. But man, we've just gotten to a point where they're like they're trying to erase George Lucas Star Wars. Like, can you believe you spent four and a half billion? Actually, I think it's four point oh five billion to buy Star Wars to then try to erase Star Wars. I just don't even understand like where that even comes from. Yeah, it's an interesting approach. Yeah, I've always thought it. Uh, little bit. I don't remember seeing George Lucas's name on any of the new ones at all whatsoever. Does no. he have a credit anywhere? No. Not even a based on the property. I think yeah, he does have that okay. based on the, the original character guy. Gotcha. But uh my biggest hope for Star Wars is a Disney Plus trilogy, John Favreau directing George Lucas's like they write them together. Cuz I think yeah, George yeah. Lucas needs help. He can't write a script by himself. No, yeah, he needs a lot of assistance he, he, with yeah. especially dialogue. Yeah. He needs a dialogue puncher upper. So I think that that would just be the best thing you could do going forward. Here's like the Mandalorian's timeline. Here's that timeline. And I, th- I think if you really brought back George Lucas's like what he wanted to do, 
you know fans would be all about it. Yeah. And there, you know you're always going to get the, the people that don't like it. But, I mean, that's of course. just yeah. the way it is. No, I just hope they can all come together one day. That's the, that's the thing that I care most about. I just want to see a day where when Star Wars gets mentioned, it doesn't turn into a, well, I think, you know what I mean? It's really become a pretty vitriol-filled uh, yeah. conversation. It's sad. And that's one of the reasons I want to start the podcast, was I kind of want to talk about Star Wars in a more positive light. I know this last conversation is no, kind of course. negative. But I think it's important to to establish first and foremost what you feel about something yeah. so that when you continue to converse about it, people know going in at least where point. you stand on it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't like the sequels. Everything else? Yeah. Cool. And it sucks that when you say something like that, it immediately turns people off. But then it's yeah. the same and vice versa because you know I, I've met some people and they feel the complete opposite. And to me, yeah. if you can't listen to somebody that you disagree with, that's on you. I don't really care. I agree wholeheartedly. I listen. Yeah. To, I listen to people whose political viewpoints are vastly different to mine, just to see what they're saying. Yep. It's like where are these people coming from? So I mean, if you you, you know, that's just the way it is. People Especially with something like Star Wars, you know yeah. what I mean. At it's the end a of very the day, subjective. it's a it's a film franchise. Yeah. You know what I mean? It like, should be fun, yeah, man. It I hasn't agree. been fun for a while. I know it's gotten crazy. I was thinking of like going back to celebration with my dad and just how much fun it was. Like everybody was happy. It was right before Revenge of the Sith came out. Culturally, it it sucks, but I feel like it peaked like end of 2014. The trailer dropped. There was that moment where everybody got, it's coming back. All of our favorite characters are going to be a back. And there was a year of anything is possible. New Star Wars fans were jumping on the train. Old mm-hmm. Star Wars fans were getting excited. And then it feels like when they dropped, that started to shift just a little bit. And then since then, it's See, tilted. I feel like it was a fun ride right up to The Last Jedi. Really? Because I feel like when Force Awakens came out, most people liked it. Yeah. Uh, like everybody was speculating who's Rey's parents, where'd Snoke come from, what's going on with Luke. But then when you got to the Last Jedi and it was like none of those questions got answered, the movie was such a downer and not in a yeah. good way like Empire. It's just a downer. It, it, it like derailed everything. I feel like that's where I personally lost excitement. But I was uh, I was working at a movie theater at the time, and after Force Awakens came out, I started hearing some. That's when the oh they're not original. Like that's where that kind of stuff started coming out at first, and it was like damn that sucks. I have never walked out of a movie theater and heard more people grumbling than the Last Jedi. Really? Oh, that movie didn't go anywhere. It just kept going nowhere. Like the characters were terrible. That movie—it mean, was—it's the most I've ever heard people just pissed off walking out of the theater. That's awkward. Actively mad. That's awkward. That happened with—I uh, was working at the theater when It Comes at Night came out, mm-hmm. and I've never had so many people come out of a theater and yell at me before. Like I made the fucking movie. And that movie was garbage, dude. You're like, all right, oh, my bad. I didn't fucking write it. <laughs> it's not me. But yeah, I guess that get feeling that is uncomfortable. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, what, that uh, fucking sucked. Sorry, guys. I think that uh, you got any last thoughts you want to give? Or? Yeah, overwhelmingly more than anything. I hope that Star Wars stays around in some regard forever. I, I think, think that it it's always going to have a place in pop culture just because of, of exactly what it was. It was the biggest film event of all time, and it still, in a way, is. It's a lot more of a controversial uh, event than it's ever been. But. I think when you look at Star Wars as being just fun escapist movies with a mythological core, something you can really sink into, that'll always be around. The original yeah, George absolutely. Lucas movies will always live. And I, there's always going to be people like me that spread it and keep it around. I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I, that's another thing with canon is that I feel like you're almost going to see a split from mm. the fans and the company. Mm-hmm. The company's going one way and the fans yeah. are like, well, we're not going that way. And Star Wars fans, I just feel like, are so set in their ways. Yeah. Just because Disney says to jump, we're not going to jump. You know what I no, mean? No, I agree. 
And it's sad because they're a very loyal fan base. Very they're loyal. stuck with the franchise through a lot of bullshit to this I point. I think yeah. the, the most passionate and loyal fan base. Like For better easily. or worse, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think that a lot of people's negativity and their anger still stems from a good place. At their heart, they still mm-hmm. love Star yeah. Wars. And a lot of it is they feel it's not the way that they see it. And I understand that because that's where I'm at right now, too. Yeah. But I, the negativity is just taken so much, like a different level. Like no, I agree level. completely. I'm just happy that in my lifetime, I got the moment where I got to watch a movie. It was a new movie, as underwhelming as it was, starring Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and good old Harrison Ford. With John never Willi- see each other again. I know. That makes me sad. That's heartbreaking. I wish I could have seen the one shot of them together. But and the fucking to, Falcon. To give it positivity, John Williams was doing the score, and I know one day all of these people are no longer going to be with us, so it's... It's cool that they got a little bit of a chance to come together, yeah. and they at least made a project happen before before everybody was I'm gone. I'm really happy Carrie Fisher didn't live to see any of this, this mm. nonsense in Star Wars, because it really happened right after she died. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of happy she didn't have to live through that, because yeah, I feel it's like sad. it's taking a toll on Mark Hamill. It, yeah, and the people who are... Luckily Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford, don't give a shit. Luckily, Harrison Ford had other shit happen in yeah. his career, so it's not the only thing, but he also had to deal with all this shit a few years ago with the whole Indiana Jones thing. Yeah. So... He's been there, done Mark that Hamill now at this really point. I really feel bad for because he thought, like, oh, man, I'm going to come back as Luke. Yeah. He gets a cameo at the end of the first movie. He gets the hairstyle he wanted originally. They shit uh-huh. all over him in the second movie. They kill him, and then they bring him back for a cameo in the third movie. Yeah. But he, he looks weird in the third movie, too. Huh? He does look I saw weird. a still of yeah. it the other day, and I was like, man, they must have, like, filmed that lickety split. Like, that <laughs> has been filmed really quick because it just looks terrible. But, uh... I think that Star Wars will always stay alive. Like I, I said, agree. I will always keep it. I think most people will. I always just look at the fun times I have with like my friends. Star Wars has always been like we play games, Star Wars role-playing games, Armada, things like that. Like I like board games, so a lot of those things are cool. And I'll always read the books. I have a whole shelf of the Expanding Universe, unless Pablo Hidalgo comes with a flamethrower. They ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and I will reread those things to the day I die. Yeah, do the so, book at Eli thing. What's that? Travel the country, spreading yeah. the word of it. That's right. Well, that's honestly how I feel like I. I feel like sometimes, like, hey, this is the actual Star Wars lore. Like, yeah, this is what yeah. actually happened. And like, my niece has started like asking me questions, and I actually tell her like the old stuff. I don't even tell her the Disney stuff. <laughs> I'm brainwashing her, um, teaching her the Old Testament. That's right. But uh, I think that that's a good conversation. I think that's a good point to wrap up on. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, thanks for coming on Rebel Command Podcast. Hey, I appreciate you having me All here. Right. I think we're going to see you later. Uh, I don't got a good ending, so here we yeah, go. What's a, good, what's a stereotypical way to end a Star Wars conversation? Everybody, may the force be with you. Yeah, never mind. I don't like that. I don't like that either. I'll have to think of one. Oh, I have a good ending. I got the Lando. Hello, what do we have here? How long was that? Turned out.